Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. But, and I don't know if I mentioned this, but like I, I um, introduced AB Original at like their first show. Yeah. Got up on stage with them at the Laneway Festival, and I mean, one of their film clips, like as part of that that project thing, which we can go into as well. I guess that's the only other things. But yeah, we can run through that stuff here, whatever you want to do, you know. Yeah, awesome. Well, I've just I've just started the record button now. It's a very this is a very cold opening anyway. But thank you again, Tom, for for coming on to begin with. Um, what got me interested um, to get you on to begin with was the fact that you was more so for your your political and and um, activist sort of stuff like yardies and whatnot. But I had an inkling there was some part of me that was saying that you'd done some form of hip hop before. So I thought, screw it, I'll I'll ask him. And um, lo and behold, you said you did and you'd been a part of a couple of groups and um, it, it stems back from a fair while ago. So I, I thought, fuck, let's do this. This is awesome. What a perfect chance to get you on. So thank you for doing this as well. Just just getting that out of the way. Hey, I appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me on. I recognize there's a little bit of a square peg in a round hole thing having me on because, you know, like, yeah, I've done a bit of stuff, but it's not really like the, the reason that we probably come to know each other. Yeah. Yeah, nevertheless, exactly. I it. I'll yarn about anything. You know what I mean? I could yeah. make up an entire history if you want. Like, I could really, you know, I could uh, pretend that I'm a full recording artist. <laughs> or we could just go to... <laughs> Just lie for the whole time, you know. Like, invent a career. Does that is that what would that be good? Oh, I think it's twenty twenty. I think that's the sort of thing that people are doing these days anyway, where they're making up jobs so they can get by. <laughs> oh, yeah, true. You know, true. It's, it's pretty fucking crazy, but you know, like, yeah. No, so, look, yeah, sorry, oh, go sorry. on. I appreciate. Yeah, I appreciate having us on. I'd be happy to talk about the. My little forays into music, it's pretty, you know, it's not something I'm very uh, uh, prolific with or very good at. <laughs> but I've been around. I've been around the traps, bro. No, 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 of course. It, that, that's all good. It doesn't really matter. It's, it's Again, it was sort of more of an excuse for me to get you on as well. But I also wanted to yeah. see, um, considering the style of music that it is as well, It's uh, hip-hop has always been... Uh, very much one that's more of a lifestyle orientated uh, um, style of writing. Like you're speaking more from experience rather than these, you know, um, not made up stories, but sometimes, you know, like some of them can be mythical and that sort of shit where they're not, they're not real, you know? Mm, um, mm, so mm. that kind of made me also wonder as well if, that tied into how you transition to more of the political side of things as well when you when you started to do more well, of your videos and that sort of stuff. Yeah, dude, I grew up as a hip-hop head and that informs a ton of my politics, really. It, like, oh, it really, really does. Like, I, I, Because for me, when I was young, like, I, I remember my first experiences with hip-hop were like – 
um, we're just sort of teenager, you know, early 20s when I was really, really becoming a bit of a nerd about rap and digging into it and trying to, you know, I think, what was I, 17, 18, I used to order CDs off of Amazon um, from various different states. I go and pick up this old gangster rap magazine called Murder Dog. Um, <laughs> All right. You could find it at newspaper newspaper agent in the city. Uh, sorry, news agents in, in, in Melbourne CBD. So I'd go and grab that and I'd learn about these obscure little um, gangster rap artists or whatever they were, you know, whatever subgenre from different states of America and kind of nerd out trying to spend my um, my measly um, uh, part-time or casual work wages on getting it <laughs> some Amazon. But, but like I was also, I remember I used to, you know, I, I was in try, I was internalising the politics, you know, from public enemy stuff through to Ice Cube stuff, look right through. It was very much of interest to me. And, like, I used to listen. There was a guy called Davey D. I think I, I actually, I could be wrong, but I think he still does stuff. He, and he had a radio station. And you could stream it online. And this is janky ass, you know, old school streaming. It wasn't very good, but I did used to listen to it. And, and this this guy would he was he was a you know, he was a I suppose a a, a civil rights activist or a socio-political commentator, just as much as he was a veteran uh DJ and radio host for rap. And so yeah, the right. two of them I was really learning about um, you know, alongside each other. Like I, I, so, so I guess you know, like for me, so, sopping that music up, and then also just hanging out around scenes full of different uh, people, but not just white Aussies and what have you. Because I never did my circle; always had lots of other people around it. Because I was just, you know, I just grew up in multicultural communities and that. And I suppose I, I got the pick the politics up practice first, or like. Not, 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 not like you know. There's a, my problem with a lot of lefties is that they get their politics from purely from theory, and I feel like they've never hung out with anyone who isn't white in their life. You know, <laughs> what I mean? when it comes to anti-racist people, like there's a lot of Melbourne lefties. Like, no hate, but I'm just saying, that <laughs> some of them are pretty cringe. Like, like they, they, they haven't really. You don't get the impression they've got out much. You know? Yeah, they've right. It's it, it's but, almost it's like almost like following the crowd esque sort of thing. Yeah, just just theory led. You know what I mean? Yeah. But um, like, it, yeah. it's not that they don't believe in what what they're standing up for. It's that they haven't really kind of done their research into it, sort of thing. Yeah, totally, totally. Or rather, they have, but it's just all theoretical politics stuff, and you know, just learned from Twitch or from Left Book or what have you. And <laughs> I just find it a bit. It's yeah. a bit crazy. Look, you know what I mean? A comrade's a comrade. I'm happy with anyone on my side broadly, but some people are pretty cringe. But anyway, this is like the, the, my 20s were spent around the rap scene, taking lots of drugs and, 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 and partying a lot. And, but sopping up that politics just as much as the music. To me, a genre of music like rap, hip-hop, is, the politics is indistinguishable from the music, you know? Like I yeah. can't. I, I actually, because I've seen around the rap and hip hop scene in Australia, I started to notice this. You would get this proliferation of like alt right or alt right adjacent or even openly white nationalist rappers. And some of these people were people I knew from back, you know, 15, 20 years ago when I was hanging around, around the scene. I mean, yeah, no it just, it, yeah, it just blows my fucking mind because I'm like, what? What were you listening? You know, so I'm a teenager yeah. listening to Ice Cube. You know what I mean? Like I'm listening through, um, 
America's most wanted or like, you know, death certificate or what have you. I'm internalizing that. What were they listening to? What were yeah. they hearing when they were listening to those lyrics? <laughs> that's why yeah. that, that it's just, just the questions always run through my mind, you know? Yeah, um, that's because to a me, I, I thought. Mm. Yeah, like, because who, if they weren't listening to the same artists as, as you were, then who were they listening to and what were they saying? Well, in rap, you always talk about, I, I always kind of thought this of these guys. I, when I was hanging in around in the 2000s, it was just kind of like yeah, hardcore indie rap explosion. And a lot, I do enjoy a lot of the artists. I'm talking about rappers like Necro, Jedi Mind Tricks, Nonfiction, and, and, and these are underground artists that the, the Oz hip-hop people around me in the 2000s that I was hanging out with, you know, we were all into it. But I kind of think to myself, like, maybe they were just sopping that up. That was their contemporary kind of hip-hop that they were modelling themselves on as the underground rappers at the time. And it was kind of a little bit divorced from the politics, you know what I mean? These were um, not always white. So, you know, again, underground hip-hop in America, that kind of indie explosion of hardcore rap from the 2000s was as multicultural as any other sort of sub-scene in rap, but, like, it was pretty divorced from the politics and it's, like, necro rapping about, like, hardcore sort of trauma stuff, and, right. you know, or kind of, like, conspiracy, paranoia rap, kind of, like, aesthetically hardcore but not really politically hardcore. I'm very far removed from the public enemy of the 90s, you know what I mean? Like, like you know. Yeah, it right. It wasn't really um, posing any threat to the establishment anymore. It might have been <laughs> making money. <laughs> furthering the craft but it wasn't really about the politics so much but that's all good that was just another little scene in hip-hop as i said i i've been a nerd for that stuff for years i've got love for all different scenes and i'm not slagging any of that off but i do think back to myself in hindsight maybe some of these guys were just internalizing that stuff you know what i mean i weren't really thinking the cubes or the you know or the public enemies or you know any one of the countless other politically um, astute rappers uh, uh, the, that have been around over the years, they weren't really internalising that. You know, a lot of rap's all about me, I do this, I do that. And when you when you sing along with it, you, you're not thinking, oh, yeah, this rapper does that. You're thinking, I do that. You're singing along. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, like I it, do know. Yeah, I get what you mean. Like, you're, it's kind of like, because when, when, you, when, you, when you delve yourself into the music and, as well, when you get really attached to it and you sing along to these lyrics, like, you're, you're imagining yourself in that situation. Like, it's a journey for you as well as it was for them singing it to you, you know? Totally, totally. So it's no matter who you were or even if you were playing a character, the aim of a good rap album, I always thought, should be, at least in part, you know, any good rap album will have ticked this box. It will have taught you about the person or the character that you're listening to. You know what I mean? You get you get a reasonable snapshot of who they are. And I still think that even applies even if someone's doing some highfalutin concept record or what have you. I mean if, if rap was you know rap was very much modeled around someone talking and conveying a sense of who they are and not necessarily sounding so pretty. Um who was it? It was some old ass it might have been Chuck D who said this or someone ago if if rap was meant to sound pretty then Melly Mel would have sung the blues. <laughs> you know, like it was. Never, it, was me- it is meant to convey a sense of who you are. But oh, yeah, I really think that these people were were just, you know, they're here in cube. They're just talk thinking. They're just taking the aesthetics. They're thinking like you know. They're not thinking about the the political context to, in, in which some of these like classic 
political rap albums are made. They're just thinking about, oh, you know, wouldn't it be sick if I was this guy? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, why is he? Why is he really singing "fuck the police"? You know, like. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's a fun aspect of rap, and I've always loved it. And, and, which is, you know, the whole the brag. You know, I've got yeah. a big dick. I've got a massive dick, and I've got a massive chain. <laughs> there is, yeah. yeah, there is. That's always something of the I've picked up in hip hop is that the the artists themselves uh, when they play on stage or even in uh, in their videos and stuff is it's always a character it's not someone like when that you meet in person they are exactly like that when you see them perform of course like it's a character um, and it's always interesting to see like what kind of perso- uh, persona that they take on as well totally totally but you see for some of these and that that's a huge thing like there's a whole other like the rappers I've known over the years some of whom have had enduring lifelong identity crises. Where <laughs> does your persona end and your real life begin? And that should be a question that should be easy to answer for some people once they're 10, 15, 20 decades, years into their career, but it's actually not. So some of them, they get so lost down their persona, like, yeah, down the whole of their persona, that they they stop really being able to... to um, be the real life <laughs> they can't let go of that person that they've created that they feel like they have to stay that person now yeah and i've seen that literally i've seen that that identity clash for people who are you know trying to be artists or are established recording artists i've seen it ruin their lives i've certainly lost many friends over that kind of stuff um, because, you know, that's wild, someone's man. just post- posturing all the time. But this ties into this thing. You know, I keep talking about political rap and how some of these guys really were just taking the aesthetics and the, I've got a big dick and I've got a big chain stuff and feeling yeah. like, you know, it's puffing them up, but they weren't really internalising the politics. They're taking, they're taking some of those sentiments into 2020 or past few years, right, with the whole... I guess, explosion of culture wars in this kind of alt-right, you know, like explosion of like um, uh, current era left-right left politics, you know, in the wake of the election of Trump and such. Yeah. And um, a lot of them have started, they, they, they have loved the opportunity to see themselves as victims because um, because they were listening to those lyrics without figuring out the politics, you know. They are always yeah. adopting that kind of same mentality. So, yeah, seriously, dude, I've, I've seen I've seen some of those those um, uh, hip-hop people here, white Aussie rappers, turn into white supremacists, which is just, it's mind-boggling when you think about what rap is and where it came from. But, hey, 2020 is a funny year, eh, bro? Oh, I fucking hope it is, right? Like, it, you just, I think, yeah, you're, you're finding out, uh who people really are i think you know in in when they get put in situations that's not really ideal but um you know there's no other way around it and you've just got to deal with it sort of thing and they don't want to and it's yeah it's definitely some wild times out there right now you're definitely seeing what people are really like yeah, totally. When I first started, like I've had several years to the shit that I've done, but one of the very first things that I did when I um, sort of transitioned from doing the old anti-racist or anti-fascist like comedy stuff that I'd been doing in 2016-17, and I first put my name, Tom Tanneke. Well, you know, Tanneke is just a fucking pseudonym name I picked in five minutes. By the way, guys, don't pick your name. If you want to have a pseudonym surname, just so, so you can hide your basic details from racists, 
spend more than five minutes on it so that you don't accidentally name yourself after a character from Animal Crossing and spend the next <laughs> three years people are asking you why have you named yourself after a children's character from a Nintendo game. I didn't know. I had five minutes. I was just chosen <laughs> at random. All right. Anyway, it's been funny seeing my name slowly get up over the, the Animal Crossing character and the results. <laughs> oh, but, that's that's great though. Like, what's fucking wrong with that anyway? Like, who cares? That's awesome. Yeah, I, I kind of like. I kind of like the silliness of having this name. That's like, it's not exactly like tough guy shit. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? It's silly, but um, always kind of enjoy that f- playing the fool aspect. Anyway, I guess you know what I mean. And when I found out about that, I just thought it was hilarious. I'm like, good. Um, yeah. <laughs> the the hyper masculine, well, the would be hyper masculine racist nationalist types that I usually do with. It's the kind of thing that they would sneer at and they get bloody beat up, soy boy gamer. And, yeah, you know, so they that, would, wouldn't they? <laughs> oh, fucking tough guys and all that bullshit. Yeah. But what I was going to say is when I first named myself and did my page, one of the first things I uh, came out with, there was this dude called Zane Edwards from Werribee, and he'd done this full rap. So I talked to you before about some rappers in that, that I'd known over the years, turning a little bit alt-right in their opinions. This guy was different. He'd kind of full rap, which is going viral on Facebook, about the Sudanese gang crisis and how these blacks needed to be locked up and stuff. Oh, fucking oh. hell, yeah. You know, calling them all rapists and this and that. And then we dug back into his past. I was looking around in his past. I dug into it. And I found out that he'd been part of this, like, extreme, um, uh, like a jackass-style homemade thing. <laughs> way more extreme and it had actually evolved abusing sexually abusing a disabled team and oh, this 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 dvd hell. was bandied about and that was many many years ago and some of his mates have been arrested and put away for it and this and that and i'm like what the fuck are you talking about other people being rapists and in gangs what the fuck did you do you fucking walking hypocrite so i come out about that so it was one of my very first things was to criticize dumb cunt racist rappers but (laughs) (laughs) anyway (laughs) that's that's so wild though like that's such a fucking from one extreme to another jesus christ oh just lunacy hey just lunacy i think i think that was another thing i was probably i was going to ask you about as well but it was um it was more so on the yardy aspect but this kind of ties in when you find out about that shit um, and you find out about a lot of that sort of shit with with the with what you part what you do. Um, yeah. How do you how do you deal with it on a day to day mentally after after seeing so much like when when you just explained to me then that that's fucked up shit, right? It is. So yeah, totally. It is, how yeah. how do you how, how do you deal with that uh, when you constantly see it every day? Um, so I suppose first of all is you do get a thick skin. <laughs> you know oh, yeah understandably driven to occupy you really do build up a tolerance over the years i have been doing stuff that involves you know at least a you know a, a, mostly or all about provoking racists and nationalists and stuff or you know provoking them taking the piss out of them sometimes just criticizing uh, that kind of rhetoric, you know what I mean? But either or, yeah, yeah. either commentary or comedy, somewhere somewhere in between. I've been doing that for several years now. Now, the first um, year was me on my training wheels, but, you know, I just dived head in. 
I got I, I just started. Yeah, no training whatsoever first... with it. Ah, yeah. And I wish I could go back in time and tell that dude, man, you have to take some security precautions, my <laughs> young dude. Don't know what you're about to fucking do here. You don't know how obsessive and stalky these assholes are. And you don't know how much heavy, weird cooked shit you're about to start finding out about. Like it's a very uh that was a weird time that was a big patriot movement sort of time you recall like, reclaim australia they were yeah. true blue crew like that like they were very organized and they were um they were really wanting to 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 do a bit of the old ultra violence at that time so it was a, it was different to now it was a lot more dangerous then mind you but nevertheless hearing all the cooked stuff or getting all the threats well look the first time now, I've been doxxed several times, like have my sensitive information released. I mean, the first time that happened, oh, I was pretty scary, <laughs> you know, yeah, because no I'm kidding. just baiting and provoking these people. So it was, um, you know, it was pretty, pretty, pretty confronting to sort of have real life, like, you know, collide with, 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 um, with, with the content that I've been making online, you know. Um, I so I say to you, I've built up a thick skin over the years, but then I kind of wonder to myself, like, I do need to just switch off sometimes and go and do, you know, like go and swim in some water, go and do exercise, <laughs> get out think about any of this shit. crap. Yeah. yeah, and I actually do. I seem to set aside a, a little while every morning. I've been doing that a lot this year in particular. In the morning, I don't little things like you know. I make sure like in the evening, I don't hold my phone the whole fucking time. <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? Like absolute safeguard these periods of time where I'm not I'm not looking at the phone. You know because because it can get pretty. I do. I often like there's other people who get attacked by big high profile racists or nationalists, right? And I always I don't just bang on about them myself. I always reach out in private to these other people as well because I remember very well how daunting it can be to suddenly start getting uh, a flood of death threats in your inbox from horrible stalkers. And, and you know, I know now it's 2020. I'm not dead. Uh, it, they, yeah. they, it's, it's rubbish. You know what I mean? They're not telling the truth. They're just, they're just bullies. You know what I mean? They really are. But it takes you a long time to go through that. And not many people, and they, I'm a piece of shit. Like, I'm a nasty, <laughs> horrible, provoking guy. I'm a, I'm a pest to pests. But most of the people that cop all these threats are people with, like, you know, they've got careers. They might be, you know, they might be panelists or writers or academics or journalists or something. They weren't signing up for the kind of crap that I've, you know, learned how to deal with it. And, and they rightfully get quite terrified. So I'll message them to sort of tell them how to get through it all. But then sometimes I think to myself, maybe I'm the one who's nuts here because I have gotten used to death threats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's, like, it's not I, a normal thing okay? to get used to. Yeah. <laughs> hey, look, it's it's unique. It is unique. One of the the perils of the thing that I do. But again, as I say, I mean, it, death threats one thing, but it's no one's even remotely going anywhere near making good. I mean, if you do the same kind of crap that I do, but do it in America, they do this. They, the stuff they do to you, like they do this thing called swatting. 
I don't know if you've heard of it oh, before, I've heard but it's of it. I know, yeah. It, especially, it's especially with Twitches and shit like that, and uh, yeah. um, the online gamers and shit. If if they just want to stir trouble, um, they'll call the SWAT on their. They'll find out where their address is and shit, and they'll they'll send nine one. They'll call out nine one one and tell them that there's like weapons there or some shit. And yeah, like people have died from that and shit. It's fucking they insane. Have. They have, and it's a loose, you know, it's just a loose world. Like, it's a looser country over there, I think, by far. But Oh, fuck oath, and especially hasn't that been shown in the last, like, six months? Oh, my God. Oh, dude, yeah. Just... I mean, it's at once terrifying and inspirational about seeing the Black Lives Matter movement swooping, you know, uprising, really, attempted uprising, peaceful uprising, swooping across America because it's just, you know, you, you can understand why people uh, began with something that started to look like it was going to be an insurrection. Like, you look at those first couple of days. It was like, you know, the oh, fuck, they burned the cop station down. I'm like, holy shit. No yeah, one knew you, could- you just knew it was next level. Yeah, totally. But then, of course, naturally, it's not, you know, it was a grassroots uprising of people, just people who'd had enough. And they were never going to be able to stop the state. It was never going to be a... Uh, a, a full revolution under those circumstances because who can fuck with the American military? You know what I mean? I mean, it's not. Yeah, we, right. We know that. So it's so it very artfully transitioned into very peaceful protest quite quickly. You know, I mean, you would never know that if you'd watch Fox News over there, but it actually no, did. I mean, it quite quickly got to a point where the only violence, by and large, was from these highly militarised coppers. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and, <laughs> So it's been terrifying, but, you know, and they're all dropping dead from coronavirus. I mean, you know, coronavirus must have played into that. Hey, you know, I mean, it, it, you can't deny the, the aspect there where, where the, the economic impact to working class people um, of this fucking hell lung death virus, uh, you know, as well as all the tension and the stress probably helped a lot spark that match in a way that the countless previous horrific deaths of black men at the hands of police perhaps didn't do so. So like, that's all got to be part of it, hey, you know? Yeah. Like, it's definitely exposed how broken that country really has been. Um, and, like, just the... Just, I mean, it's been broken for a long time, and a lot of people have known it, but just for the, for the common, like, for the normal per- everyday person who doesn't, like, actually look into it sort of thing they're actually actually seeing it now and and it's fucking wild you know so and i just yeah there's definitely been a consciousness raising aspect where i think a lot of conversations around racism and what have you you know there's there's a lot more people who'll be you know i noticed this i noticed it with my nephew and my nieces like they were suddenly taking interest in stuff you know what i mean in political stuff i noticed it you know like like people i mean i I, you know, I went and masked up and I went to one of those Black Lives Matter protests. And um, I went to the one up in Brisbane, actually, because I, I was up there on that day. It, I mean, there were 50,000 people there, but they were all stripes because it's a popular ass movement. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it is, for want of a better word, I'll say this, it is fashionable. You know what I mean? It's like, it's. And that's not to denigrate the cause. Of course, I'm completely down with it. But it's just something that you could see that people want to be part of it. You know, they really, yeah. really want to be, you know. But they said that those those protest rounds that went around the world, 
um, you know, a little over a month ago, technically, or literally made it the single largest civil rights movement in history around the world, because you never had that many people all around the world get out in, in, in aid of any one cause ever. Never had happened like that before, you know? And obviously it wouldn't have been able to have been done back then because the accessibility to, you know, organise shit online. Totally. You know? That, totally. that plays such a huge factor for it. It played such a huge factor in this right-wing pendulum shift from 2014 onwards with, you know, like this sort of ambient alt-right um, sh shit-posting culture and image board culture in America eventually tying in with politics and what have you. I mean, we saw this massive right-wing shift. Um, but think about then, culturally then to now, um, I mean, if this isn't the the sort of the opposing leftward shift, then I'd be very surprised. I don't know what the fuck it is. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, like the, the think about for the last year or two, man, the biggest grassroots-led protest movements. Obviously, this one. Think about the school strikes for climate; they were fucking huge. Yeah. Uh, think about Extinction Rebellion stuff. I will maybe cringe a bit. A bit hippie for my liking. I don't know. <laughs> They, they, I do, they had this thing called civil disobedience. Oh, man. They would oh, all dress up in, I like, think I heard fringe, about that. fringe disco stuff and, like, dance to the Bee Gees out in the street. And, oh, it actually it was like a punch to the gut. It was so cringe. Not oh, hating, God. not being a hater. Hey, hey, just saying. <laughs> Seriously cringe, guys. Um, <laughs> the message, you get the message, but their message is very cringy. Yeah, totally. Well, you know, and I was generally posting in support and what have you. I just didn't like. I didn't like some things like their uh, what is now a very unfashionable, very pro cop stance that they took. Like you wouldn't really be able to get away with that right now, given the the surrounding Black Lives Matter discourse. You know, because they were all like, you know, all about trying to give flowers to cops and other simpish sort of tactics. The cops <laughs> are just the will of the state. They're not your friends, you know. Um, yeah, that doesn't really make sense. Like, that's more like if that if I went up to do that, I think any other normal person would just think they're being a dick. But like, yeah. you know, like I, I don't even know. Yeah, so the message is kind of flawed. You know, I think what the fuck they they had some big flaws in their thing. You know what I mean? But I, nevertheless, though, the any they did have a lot of energy about it. Yeah, no, fact, totally, they did. The, the fact remains, though, you know, like. Two years now, biggest movements that we've seen around the world have all been progressive movements. And I think that reflects a big-ass change that we're seeing. It might come from a place of frustration. And, you know, we might also be living in fucking hell world right now. With You know, this year we've seen a pandemic and we saw half of Australia burn to the ground. <laughs> so it's not, yeah, you know, no kidding, right? Yeah. yeah we saw the, the oil fucking industry almost tank. We saw God knows what else. You know, it's not been a great year. It's... <laughs> I'm impressed so, that we're still going, to be honest. Uh, every uh, day I'm uh, thinking that we could go straight back into lockdown sort of thing right now. Like, it, it's hard yeah. to motivate yourself to get shit done. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, there was this big prevailing idea of, like, everyone would all be home and they'd be ready, you know, to indulge their old creative things or get all those projects done that they hadn't been able to. And mind you, I've had some periods of, of manic creativity you know, yeah. manic output during the lockdown. Mm. Like the anti-lockdown movement had me really enthused there for a while. And they are 
they are an interesting lot. So I've done a fair bit of videos just covering their latest cooked antics. But <laughs> but then again, then sometimes I'll just go into a dip, man. You know, and I just fucking like I could just barely put anything out for a few days or really engage with the world. It's, it's quite wild, difficult. Yeah. It's quite difficult, hey. I've I've been finding it very um up and down. Like I've been very fortunate as well, like I've said in previous episodes and shit. Like I'm I'm working, I've still got a job and that sort of thing. I work Monday to Friday. So yeah. I'm lucky in that aspect, right? Yeah. But that's all that's really all I'm doing right now is just yeah. just working. And I know that even if it wasn't kind of like lockdown esque, which you know, in Queensland it's it's pretty good right now. We haven't had any new cases for a while. We're pretty smart in terms of keeping our shit shut and staying shut, you know, because, you know, <laughs> fucking no offense, but Melbourne's doing shit right now, you know, so, um, totally. and, yeah. and Sydney's starting to get more cases. So it's that, that, you know, it's not like you're internalizing, a, 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 well, I guess you are kind of internalizing it, but it, it, there's this fear of like, yeah, this is why we're, uh, you know, staying inside more, but not so much to... Uh, the fear of going back out, but you've gotten so used to being inside, you're kind of like not wanting to go out. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I and at some point, uh, it was a little while ago, it was when I was up in, in Queensland, I did go out to somewhere and I went into a, uh, a pub very briefly, which was, was, um, absolutely pumping. That was just, it was like they were treating it like business as usual. Yeah, and no kidding. Saw, we were at the smoking area and we saw a fight happen and I was like, what am I doing here? What the fuck is this? And I actually really haven't been out to to anything like that since, I mean, obviously in Victoria, you just can't, can you? But you know, you, 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 and you really, it's probably not a good idea to do it anywhere full stop. But I actually, I just felt there was this really manic tense kind of vibe on people. Like people were, people were, um, they they were fighting because you know no one had any like social skills. <laughs> we all lost it. Have you been over to mates' houses like after that March April period and felt like a social leper? Because I have. Yeah, look, I haven't really caught up with a lot of people because I've just been caught up with work and you know seeing my kid and and yeah. even that, like I'd be doing the same thing like even if it was lockdown or not. But just one when I get back, there's. I don't know. It's just, yeah, like, it, because there's been these periods where we couldn't go out for a while, um, it's almost kind of like everyone just got content with that too. Um, I, feel, I feel really bad about having the conversation as well, good and bad about it, like a talking about coronavirus. Obviously, it's, it's like a – it's just – it's a conflicting thing because on one hand, you end up talking to everyone about that shit, you know, Obviously, it's the prevailing thing that's that's, that's marked out lives in whatever way this year. But at the same time, and then I'm like, oh, you know what? People probably don't want to hear me talk about this fucking thing, and I'm always trying to shut myself up. But then again, given that it rules your life in lockdown, it's like, oh, what else do you fucking talk about? There isn't, there's no yeah, subject right. right now that doesn't intersect with fucking coronavirus, you know? It, yeah, it's so entwined with everything right now. Like, it, it doesn't even matter. You could be trying to avoid the conversation and be talking about anything, like, say, what, what, your, job, what your job is and talking about something about your job. Say, for example, my work. Oh, so 
can we when can we get the next load of shipment in? Oh, we're held back at the moment. Uh, shipment's delayed because manufacturing can't be done because coronavirus. Like fuck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's all intertwined with with everything that's going on. So there's almost no way to avoid talking about it, and it's it's such a mental drain, and especially with with uh, the the creative industry and the arts industry. Um, yeah who rely on needing most of the time to be able to get out and fulfill their content, um, yep. aren't able to. And so they have to yep. adapt. And, you know, a lot of the musicians up here in Brisbane are still doing, they've just started getting back into live shows. I haven't even been out to any of them yet because I still feel kind of iffy going out, you know? Um, yeah. but, and so when I do go out, I just try and keep it to a minimum. Um, totally. Yep. It's, I guess, uh, it's brought out like because I'm already, already kind of like an anxious person. So th- these sort of times have brought out more of those f- relatable feelings, I guess, more easily. Um, and it's just what, like you said, yeah, it's just it, it's bringing out some some weird characters and seeing kind of like what people are really like in stressful situations. Um, totally. Yeah. And and it's not yeah. like because most people won't think of it being like a stressful situation because. You know, they they imagine like oh, like wartime shit, like PTSD sort of shit. But that doesn't necessarily have to happen to you in order to be in a stressful situation for a long period of time. You know, yeah. you, you can't do something for a while, and you have to adapt and 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 change to that for for a while. You're you're not going to be used to it, so you're going to feel like stressy and shitty about it. So your mood's going to be different. So, totally. you know, so the, the, the effect of those, you know, how many people do you know, yourself included, who in March and April had fucking sleepless night after sleepless night, where you just lie up until fucking God knows when thinking about this shit, you know what I mean? Back in that, those two months there, they were heavy ass times. And I have watched, you know, as someone who, you know, I found a little bit of a true north, I suppose, in the wake of the, the lockdown, looking for, and I've had a bit of a lull lately, but I'll be getting back into it soon, in, in covering the anti-lockdown uh, movement yeah, and the various various sort of conspiracy threads that have, you know, piped people into that movement and, you know, thinking about where they're going to, what they're going to turn out as on the other end, you know what I mean, whether they're going to be like a, uh, anti-vaxxer or a QAnon type or something like that. <laughs> watching that, basically what I've been watching is a whole bunch of people who had a fucking breakdown, <laughs> you know, in March, April, and they they completely they completely lost any understanding of where they were supposed You know, they will have been Channel 7 watchers previously. You know, just people who would, you know, live their life, do their job, get their get their little dose of news on the uh, uh, in the 6pm, you know, and suddenly they, they were permanently online and permanently stressing and suddenly these people with their YouTube channels and Facebook groups talking about conspiracy stuff became their new source of info and it happened very quickly and I watched people get radicalised in a space of weeks. I do say radicalised because suddenly these people were like, you know, attending protests, believing in some pretty radical stuff, you know, like their whole worldview had completely shifted. Yeah. And these are fucking mums and dads. Half the people at that first Melbourne anti-lockdown protest were like Greek mums. It's unbelievable. I never said, you know, all going out, like defying 
the coppers for risking a $1,600 fine. You wouldn't have believed it if, if someone had told you that you could get this cross-section of people who don't give a shit about anything. <laughs> they're not politically minded. And suddenly they're out there standing in front of, like, you know, Victoria's robocops <laughs> all holding pepper spray and actually knocking some of them to the ground. These people who just weren't involved at all. But this is this is just the thing, yeah? Uh, the effect that that March-April period and thereafter has had on people's mental welfare just can't be understated, you know? That's that's why we've got these big conspiracy uh, thing, you know, like period blooming at the moment, eh? It's, it's gotten so bad hasn't it like i've i'm i'm at the point now where i'm uh making sure that my parents know what's fake news and what's not you know when so i get them to yeah. like tell me like they'll point like mumsy will ask me like eh, what's all this one about like is this true or not and i'll have a look at it and i'll see what it is and i'll be like yeah no that's fake or yeah no that's true um because you know, there's so much of it online. So, you know, they 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 struggle to see the difference sometimes. Um, it's and it's so hard for people to figure out what's real and what's not. Yeah. It's so incredible, isn't it, to look at the veracity of which source you're getting it from. Some people can't even tell that this plainly obvious Photoshop is a Photoshop. You know. Well, exactly, um, and that's that's and that's not making any like that's not dumbing down my parents or anything like that. It's just that they couldn't. You know, like if if they're showing me a picture of someone or or a quote or something, and I'll and I'll look at it and read it, and then I'll see that it is photoshopped to some degree. I'll be like, well, that's obviously going to be it's. There's already something wrong with that info right now because it's already there's a fake picture. Why is it a fake picture? So you know, so then that's when you look into it, and like that's you know, it's not making it. It's 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 very hard to point out. So you just, it, it's, and you know, they don't have the time or the, the energy to have to look into it sort of thing. And that's fine. Um, but, but also the thing is with like 2020, oh, you know, modern internet culture is it's really Machiavellian in nature. Like everyone thinks that they've, they're secretly able to bring about the destruction of everything that they don't like, or that they're able to play these very shadowy games and tricks to to eliminate whoever their opponent is. You know, and that, that can go through to anything. So there's a lot of people who actually like, you know, who create this content knowing it's rubbish. They spread it, whether for monetary purposes or for political gain. Um, yeah. And, and a lot of the people, you know, it's hard to tell. Some of the people who follow this stuff and share these theories, they might know. You know, if you were their friend, you asked them one-on-one. They tell you, yeah, no, I know that it's not true. But if everyone believes it, here's the game, you know. And, yeah. and that's what, that's a prevailing culture. That extends into everything. I hate this current cancel culture conversation because I actually think it's just a really dumb, fuzzy-headed thing that benefits, like, right-wing opinion columnists <laughs> and panelists <laughs> to sort of go, you know, the left mad again. Their, their favourite topics. Oh, that's got. fucking bullshit. I, it, there's nothing about it being cancel culture. It's just if you've been a shithead and you haven't fucking said sorry or been accounted for it, then we're going to call you out for it. That's all it's about. It's not about cancelling people. Like for fuck's sake, grow up. But some sometimes you'll see you'll see you know blah 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 hashtag blah 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 is over party on as a trending hashtag on Twitter, and you look at it, and it's right. actually really frivolous circumstances, and you think to yourself, oh shut up, you know what I mean? You yeah, really, yeah. You know, like you're 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 you know. Um, 
I understand the concept of cancellation when you find out that someone's a pedophile or a rapist, and that seems to be it half of the time. Um, but, but, you know, sometimes it's really frivolous circumstances. But again, that's my whole point. It's like, this is not cancel culture. It's modern internet culture. Everyone is constantly... People take down their idols. People question things. People use collective power online to undermine things, sometimes for some pretty nefarious or selfish purposes, sometimes for some honest, decent political purposes. But everyone fucking does it. That's just the internet culture. And people are willfully misunderstanding it, you know? I mean, yeah. and, and also, you know, if, if I am... If I can go online now and have a bigger voice, if I structure my presence right, if I say the right thing or if I reveal the, this salacious secret, I can have a bigger voice than some celebrity. And and that's no one paying for that to happen. It could just be collectivising by everyone sharing it. And people, that's what can cancel people half the time. The fact that people who never had a fucking voice up to now, whether it be shitty old me because I'm a nobody or whether it be some fucking, um, you know, uh, suicidal trans team or whether it be a fucking black kid or whether it be, you know, God knows who, they can go online and say something and everyone else can share it. And it's an equalising of the power dynamics that have always existed up until now and people fucking hate it. Ricky Gervais and everyone like that, they're all like, oh, you know, what are you actually criticising? You're criticising the fact that in 2020... You can't stop other people from having a voice and projecting other people's voices. You know what I mean? It doesn't yeah. mean anything, you know? Like, turn the internet off if you hate it so much because you're never going to stop it. <laughs> it's always going to be around, yeah. Like, yeah. It's one of those things that's always going to be uh, in uh, in amongst the crowd sort of thing because it's just, you know, and <clears> – <throat> excuse me, sorry. <clears throat> um, it's a lot more – accessible now as well like everything now is a lot more accessible so it's 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 so much harder to uh, avoid noticing that as well and i think that's what a lot of their what of their anger comes from as well is that they try to avoid it and they just can't and they don't know how to deal with that yeah yeah yeah, it's very. It's definitely very hard to just be an entertainer profile without being politicised to some degree. And I, and I understand that um, uh, a, a Ricky Gervais type wants to not be politicised in ways that they didn't expect, anticipate doing that. But then again, if you have a, a a large rolling culture in a world where everyone has a voice online, um, you're going to get criticised for for um, trampling on that little minority group there and people are going to hear it because that little minority group are going to get shared the fuck out of by, by many, many people. And yeah. that didn't happen 20 or 30 years ago. And I think it's, no, a great it act of, it's a great act of justice and it's a great development in the world that it does exist now. And yes, I understand that it's scary for Ricky Gervais. That <laughs> he'll survive. I'm sure he'll fucking survive. Yeah, with all the money he's made. Um, yeah, he'll be yeah, fine. So, <laughs> <laughs> so when this is taking a pretty 180 spin back to more of your musical side of things um, because I want to know where the change actually came from more than anything. Um, what, when, about when was it that you actually actively started listening to music or when you started listening to music in general? And then when did you yourself make that change into what 
you currently like got into like with the hip hop side of things mm. um so again as I, said, as I said earlier i was a rap nerd from you know being a teenager um through all of my 20s uh, and um i think i i i, I sopped up the socio-political context it was very much of interest to me you know not just it was never for me it was never just that the music sounded cool you know like i bought a chuck d's book and i was leading about you know how at the height of public enemies power bloody colonel Gaddafi offered them hundreds of millions of dollars to help fuel the black civil rights movement in america and then oh jesus yeah and then fucking congress got together in an emergency seating overnight and they, they enshrined new laws overnight, emergency powers, blocking foreign powers from making donations to um, civil rights causes in America or political movements. And that's the same legislation that they ended up using to block Al-Qaeda um, donations and, and, and what have you. The, the, the legislation that was made to stop public enemy getting money. Jesus <laughs> million Christ. You know, yeah, so that was really like what caught my imagination, actually. You know, that kind of stuff was really some of the most powerful shit, you know. Like, it's one thing you being a dope rapper, but it's another thing like NWA getting a letter from the FBI saying, you know, step back because, you know, we're watching you kind of thing. Like, that's real power, actually. You know what I mean? And that's what it is. That's that's some fucking influence right there. Totally. So, so then that 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 was me in you know I, basically I had all my twenties was around the rap scene, um, really just hanging out around it, only sporadically contributing. Like I, I rapped on a friend Billy Bunks's album, um, in two thousand and uh, two thousand and seven. It's a pretty legendary old Oz hip hop album. Um, Billy Bunks is a very good mate of mine, but he's a legendary Indigenous rapper from, yeah, of a crew called Hyde Goons. And um, his album Spit and Crystal came out. And I, I rapped once on there, um, uncredited as a member of the Legionnaires Cap Gangsters, who were like a mythical crew of dudes who were like tough as nails, but also really sun smart because they wear <laughs> Legionnaires caps. Um, yeah, it was it. nice. So I wrote 16 bars, kind of like. Being someone who's like hard as fuck, but is also extremely cautious and worried about the, the effects <laughs> of the sun. <laughs> that's awesome. And I, that's actually continued a trend I was doing for years, man, because I would always write as other people or, or write under pseudonyms and kind of get this weird kick. I don't know where it came from, get this weird kick out of like just being other characters and never really going, oh, you know, I did that or what have you. That was just my, I, I guess that was my, um, way of um safeguarding against getting judged or something <laughs> did you do uh you did, know. You do, did you do drama in school or any of that sort of shit no no not at all no. but it's really just picked up the years over meeting the right creative people some of whom didn't film and and all of us just you know hanging out around the old hip-hop scene in the 2000s and partying um writing making shit filming little skits sometimes um and um and yeah, and taking lots of drugs, I guess. <laughs> As you do when you get amongst the scene early on and it's a new thing and you're fucking totally, having you know, a good time. Yeah. yeah, lots of ping is an asset are very good for getting the old creative juices flowing as a young man. Oh, no, um, okay. um, so, so then, I, you know, that was me for the 2000s. Like, um, so did- from about 2009, 10, I sort of went through the reggae scene as well and that got me out. Um, 
uh, I suppose, like, um, yeah, like I, I, I guess I started learning about the the issues that my student South Sudanese friends were going through at the hands of like the Australian state and 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 you know as as migrants coming over. I actually was doing volunteering for a while um, with Sail, which is like a, a, a Sudanese Australian integrated learning, like tutoring basically English kids in English yeah, maths. Yeah. On a, and, and all of that sort of taught me a lot about what, what that particular community was going through, the, the hands, I guess, of a, a prevailing, slightly parochial and often racist Australian culture who didn't get them. Oh, and, look, and also, I remember that too. I remember when that whole sort of thing became an issue for Melbourne or whatever it was, was the fucking African gangs or whatever it was you'd see in those articles. And I thought, what the fuck is all this about? Um, yeah, and it just yeah. seems it just even by seeing it uh, without understanding what is actually going on at first, I was just thinking, what the fuck? There's there's no gang problem down there for Christ's sake. That was that was originally that that that's my first thought anyway, and so it just it just blew my mind about that whole thing, and I just thought it was already in my mind at that point a piece of shit. Like, there, there's obviously just some sort of cock-up story happening right now. So I can only imagine that they went through a lot of bullshit. They really, really did, you know? And it was a, it was a you know, just a very, it's just a real tale of a very disconnected community with lots of families with very traumatic or traumatised pasts because of the situation that they or their parents had fought, have fled from in South Sudan, coming into a country sort of being, you know, deposited into like a, an outer suburban area in the outer west or outer east with, you know, very little to no translation services, not knowing what the fuck's going on. And then, you know, as the kids grew up and became, they ended up becoming sort of, some of them did join up in the sort of gangs and some of them were rough. And I would say being part of the, being around the reggae scene all the time, I would see huge fights myself all the time and stuff. But at the same time, these were just these were handfuls of kids mucking up, um, which is not the same as the media beat up that the whole thing turned into be, you know what I mean? And by the time yeah. people talking about an apex gang no apex gang existed anymore you know um look to be fair if you've ever been around the punk scene that sort of shit happens a lot (laughs) you know fights happen a lot between those kids muck it up that's just kids muck it up that's exactly the perception is wildly different too as well when it comes to the punk and metal scenes and that sort of shit and then when you see turf uh, turf fights or fisticuffs between mates in the hip hop scene. Everyone believes it's t- a turf fight, you know, like, mm. or it's, you know, uh, there's beef or some shit being sorted, uh, being, being dealt with, but not in a, not in a, not in a positive way, but a negative way. And then, yeah. yeah, like with the punk scene sort of thing, it'd be like, oh, they're just, yeah, they're sorting out the bizzo, but they look at it half the time in a positive way, if, especially if they know who it is, like, that they're scrapping off with. If they didn't know each other, then that's when they'd break it up sort of thing. But, like, if they knew each other, it's almost, like, accepted. Yeah, totally, totally. You know, and, and a wildly different, you know, uh, uh, look on what the, how the media will portray it as well, which is insane. It's, it sucks so much that, uh, that they have such a big influence on shit when they have no idea. Totally, my dude. And you know what? Like, I mean, I went through my time teaching it, or tutoring with Sale, like I figured out the most amazing shit. We, we met the founder of Sale, and he said that he had gone over for his honeymoon over to South Sudan. And this is a guy who'd started this 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 thing many many years prior, and and 
and he went there and and since he'd started that the war had um the war had finished the actual north and south sudan had split into two separate nations and so he was able to go over to this place that just you know the war situation the, the the situation that had led to this flood of uh, South Sudanese migrants into Australia that that really had ceased uh, in large part. So when he went over to there, he realised because he'd been doing this sale thing for for you know almost uh, you know well over ten years he'd realised that about half of the people who staffed that the new parliament in South Sudan were people who at one point or another had actually attended as children that sale migrant classes in the western suburbs of Victoria. They'd gone back there to help to found the new democratic parliament of South Sudan. And if that isn't one of the world's most successful fucking migrant stories, then I don't know what is. And it's always boggled my fucking mind that people don't know about that but they know about the fucking Apex gang, which is barely even real. Yeah. <laughs> it's what is this lunacy? You know what I mean? I understand what I know perfectly well what makes News Corp more money, but it's still just a real travesty to me. You know what I mean? It is. It's a travesty to, to what journalism is really about, you know? Like it's just it's a completely it's money driven, you know. Totally. It, and that's it's such a bad way to to have things run, but that's the way that the world's kind of run right now. But also with Corona, it's making it pretty hard for that shit to work, and everybody's finding that out too. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So yeah, so I, I, but I really, you know, so that was that was. I spent my earlier part of last decade just my, drinking a hell of a lot at like the Ascot Vale council flat like, like <laughs> Somalian and Sudanese mates and just like met her in the reggae scene and that was just my life for a few years there whilst this apex stuff was going on and we just sort of sit there like bemused like looking at it all thinking what the fuck are they getting these stories from like I knew that the fights fights would happen but anyone who's been out into the CBD on any Saturday night will tell you that fights always happen yeah anyway so yeah, like the people that bitch and moan about all that gang shit have probably not been in the city in the last fucking five, ten years, and they're just assuming that that's what's going on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I never, but I was never about trying to pretend that that, that there weren't violent people doing stuff. If there were, there was actually violent people doing stuff. But here's the thing: if you don't care about the socio-economic factors that are creating, or that are that are causing you know, certain groups of people to be more rough because they're in an area where they're disconnected from the society around and they're surrounded by a bunch of parochial fucking racists. Maybe they've never had any money or opportunities or limited language services and what have you. And that's creating the factors that mean groups of people in certain areas are more likely. If you're not interested in any of that stuff, then you're not interested in a real conversation about it. You know, you're not yeah, straight up. Yeah. That's not, I don't take anyone seriously who's who's not willing to who's not willing to think about why. You see this with all this Black Lives Matter stuff, man. Like fucking people don't want to talk about what systemic racism is. They think it's not real. I don't give it I'm not see I I don't need to prove that it's real. Data proves that it's real. Systemic yeah. things are about are about government data. It's and that data isn't conservative or liberal. It's not left or right wing. It's just data. It just demonstrates that certain people uh, uh, underprivileged, and that therefore they're more likely to get attacked by coppers or to have less access to 
to, to decent income or stable work or what have you and their lifespans are shorter and they're more likely to go to jail. And, you know, if a conservative or an alt-right person's best answer to that is, oh, their culture's worse or their blood's bad or something, then, you know, are we really having a real conversation? Or if they didn't if they didn't break the law, then they they wouldn't have been in the situation in the first place. Like that's the fucking main one I always hear. Yeah, dumb, dumb. It gets nobody anywhere. You know what I mean? Are we actually having a conversation about what the problem is and how we might actually be able to solve things? If we are going to have that conversation, that's a conversation about what they call systemic racism. But again, you know, we live in a culture that just wants to write articles about how scary the apex gang are instead of actually think about you know factors underpinning that stuff we know where the money lies anyway don't we so exactly. so that was my anyway that was my early two two thousand last decade but also i did another rap thing at that point i'd like i'd um there was a thing called rapper tag started by a pretty famous australian rapper called 360 okay. at some point at some point i got my friend billy bunks got tagged into it and then he said that no mere more. So basically you do a rap and then you would get in all the famous rappers in Australia all did it. Um, eventually it got to Billy Bunks and he said at the end of his rapper tag that I couldn't possibly um, tag in a mere mortal after me. So I'm going to be tagging in Odin, the Norse God of war. And that <laughs> turned out to be me. People thought he just ended it by being a smart ass. But no, I did a rap. I did a full 16 bars as the Nordic, Norse god of war, Odin. Um, I'll, I'll send you the link. Maybe put it in the description afterwards. So it's a, that's a bit of an aberration in the history of Australian hip-hop right there. Someone dressed up in um, fetish gear <laughs> and a cheap Viking <laughs> helmet wrapping Odin. Oh, <laughs> I think it's a pretty great. decent rap. If you've got if you've got like the audio files, um, I'll I'll get them um uploaded onto the end of the episode as well, so people can listen to it. Yeah, fuck yeah, that sounds good, man. I'll send that along. Yeah, that's awesome. Oh, that sounds great. So, did you actually ever play any live shows, or was this just all like stuff that you had done like for videos or or like uh, just recordings and shit like that? Well, not long after this time, I reckon at about 2014-15, I started getting sick of just um, partying all the time and telling people I was going to do this and I was going to start writing this and going to start filming that because that's what I'd by and large been doing except for these sporadic little projects. So I started up a blog and I quickly, it was just short stories at first, it was called Unguent, but it pretty quickly transformed into me doing character videos. And then I started taking my short stories out to uh, spoken word nights and I'd start performing them there. So that's how I sort of started cutting my teeth on being out in public, like 2014, 15 kind of time. Okay. Um, and I'm hanging out at that time at around the beginning of the Patriot movement <laughs> with um, the spoken word poetry scene, which has a lot of Middle Eastern people around it. And so I got a lot of Arab mates in 2015 who suddenly are very worried that they're, you know, their mum's just been attacked by a fucking racist down at the shops, you know? Yeah, yeah. dad got eaten by a car driving by. Someone else got their windows smashed and, you know, something of their fucking halal. You know, it was the prevailing obsession in 2015. You know, something like that graffitied on their, their front fence. 
And, you know, I had a Syrian mate, just, um, still a friend of mine. She's a poet. And I remember having to drive her to and from a couple of gigs just because she was terrified about getting public transport in that time. Yeah. And so I've been doing these character videos. I think I've originally, like a lot of people, I just thought that the Patriot movement would, you know, die with a whimper, not a bang, and go away. But I think by the time I got to early 2016, I realised I weren't going anywhere. So I thought I'd extend my character videos into pretending to be a fake patriot. So okay. I, 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 so I went down to the Footscray $2 shop and I bought like $150 worth of flags, <laughs> you know, cheap like Chinese yeah. flags and shit, and, and covered my body in them. And I started recording videos as a fake patriot who kind of like, you know, the story was that he knew all of these other patriots, but they weren't as like good at bashing lefties as him. And he was on the <laughs> warpath to, 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 to gain credit for being the strongest patriot in all of Australia. Because I kind of loved how corny and competitive with each other they all were. You know, like yeah. that's what they fucking hated each other and they're all really rough. So I started doing that and that was, that was, um, that was Million Flag Patriots. And um, that thing was pretty huge. Through that thing, I ended up having a, a AB original. Briggs took a t- took a shine to to Million Flag Patriots, and I ended up um, opening for them at their very first show, the first AB original show, I think it was. And um, uh, I'm actually, if you look up the if you look up one of their clips from that album, not not the, not January 26, but the ICU. You'll see a very brief cameo from from the character that I played, the Five Flag General, um, in 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 that clip. So we would do things like that. But Million Flag Patriots, I mean, you know, like I opened up for AB Original, and everyone, I was just being a smartass, and I was like sprinkling um, torn up Australian flag like confetti um, all over <laughs> the audience. Yep. It's a long story, <laughs> but like the crowd were very much enthused by it. But also, there was like a small contingent at the front of the stage who were screaming at me about get the fuck off the stage and you know, they've set just, yourself they've just been they've just been insulted because you've torn up a flag that they fucking barely believe in, but they just have gotten really upset about. No, actually, what these people and this was really interesting. It was always a learning journey. These were people who are massive Briggs fans. They don't like racists, of course. You know, AB Original would call their album Reclaim Australia, you know. Right, okay. It was very much about baiting racists, and that's how, how I suppose, or why Briggs took a shot on MFP, because it was very much the same thing. We were, you know, I was just, I was doing everything that real Patriot groups did whilst undermining them, you know. But, like, but these people just didn't like, you know, they didn't like the real thing. They're never seeing the real, like this in the real deal nationalists. And they're saying this guy is clearly a piss take one, but I just wanted to, I think they wanted to exercise their, or to get out their frustration at real racists. And I kind of enjoyed it. It was nice playing the villain in that sense. You know what I mean? It was, right. I, I didn't mind. I'm quite happy. Play- yeah, I'm happy being the heel. I mean, Briggs came out after and he's like, what the fuck did you think? Did you think that a racist accidentally wandered out on stage at the start of his show? <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, he's our friend, you know? Yeah, right. Oh, okay, God. So but that were funny times, man. But, I mean, you know, we started doing rally stuff, um, which was us going out and, 
if not confronting, then certainly standing around the the, the actual um, nationalist groups at rallies and kind of undermining them, stealing the main, mainstream media cameras because we looked a little bit more silly and cartoonish than they did. Yeah. So, so the media would a few times the media filmed us and said that we were the real deal racists, which really pissed <laughs> off, which really pissed off the nationalists, you know. Yeah, okay. um, oh god, they, yeah. So, and is that how Yardi started? Yeah, you, you know, you know. So, I, I, by the time two thousand and seventeen came, some of these big pages had lost their. You know, the patriot movement had died in the arse, basically. You know, that they, they, they weren't getting there. They weren't getting big people at rallies anymore. They, their Facebook pages had been deleted, and they were pretty much has beens. You know. Yeah. And the new generation of racists were kind of rock stars. Like, you know, Milo Yiannopoulos, Lauren Southern, people yeah. like that. Suddenly we transitioned into, like, rock star racists who were um, putting on a show at a hall and you would pay for a ticket instead of bring a flag cave out to a rally. And oh, so fuck. Fuck. Yeah, under those circumstances, I stopped MFP because I didn't think it applied anymore. So the narrative of MSP ended. It was always a story in a kind of a way. Yeah. I ended that. And after a few months, about six months later, we began yard or yelling at racist dogs, which is like, because all of a sudden these guys were trying to uh, position themselves as like, you know, as I say, artists, performers, people, punters paying for a private show. But we knew that this was the latest iteration of, of I suppose, nationalist organising or grifting or what have you. And so we started attending these shows and screaming bloody murder at the people outside. Yeah. Um, and or, you know, either that or if there was a kind of a rally of far-right types, we would go out to there, you know. And, um, yeah, that's where Yard came in, yelling at racist dogs and bloody hell, man. Within a year, we'd been called authoritarian terrorists by some of these organisers of some of these big shows and the, the word, name of Yard had gone around the world because we'd um, some members of Yard had abused some pretty high-profile um uh, nationalists face to face, and that had gone all around the world. And um, I think suddenly it, the dynamics were flipped because they yeah. were all like trying to get into their VIP shows, and we were at the front screaming dumb abuse at them. And suddenly they, we were the ones looking like the, they were the ones looking like the elites. We yeah, were, you know, they totally fucked the dynamic reversal. up. Yeah, totally. And I was really happy to occupy that end of the dynamic because, you know, <laughs> fuck you thinking I'm the fucking elite. Jesus Christ, you know what I mean? So it was nice to get a bit of, I suppose, thoughtful. Like we knew we would never go too far and it was always just, it was never meant to be physical confrontation under yard, you know. It was always about yelling and coming up with what you were going to, what dumb shit you were going to say to him in advance, but then going out there and filming it and uploading the silliest shit that you'd said, you know. And, but I really, really enjoyed the anti-intellectual bent of it, you know. <laughs> like it was yeah. funny. Because they would come up with these hysterical ways of categorising us. Like I said before, like we were terrorists. But you That's look pretty so silly stupid, if you're yeah. calling a... Yeah, if I'm there screaming ridiculous stuff at you, and these weren't threats, they were just dumb shit. If I'm there screaming and you call me a terrorist after, you do look a little bit silly, you know. It's not really good... Uh 
journalism, if that's what you think a terrorist is? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, because they're playing points for and trying to appeal to their audience and what have you. But it was really, really good. They were that. That was the heyday of Yard, you know, I guess 2018, 19. I mean, you know, this is it's got limited scope right now because um, we. Because you know, no one's out. <laughs> yeah, no one's on. doing shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. And I never really, I never really saw Yard as an internet group. Like I'll put posts up every now and then, but I'm not into like um, with Yard. I just want it to be something like we don't promise what we're going to do. We just rock up. You know what I mean? And we'll go and say it to you, <laughs> and yeah. then the, you know what I mean. Sort of like um, if you find out if you find out that something's happening, you're like, oh, we'll go check out and see what these pieces of shit are doing, and we'll we'll shout at them. Totally, yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> organising yeah, a big squad. <laughs> yeah, there's no sort of that. They, that's not even any. So you can't be classed as an organisation because there is no fucking organisation. <laughs> Thank you. It's an act. It's a verb. <laughs> yeah, Yard is a verb. It's not a noun. We're not meant to be a group. It's if an you're idea. Going out, yeah, if you're going out yarding, then you're yarding. That's it, Billy. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah. I perfectly yeah. understand that. It's not. It, it's more so. Yeah, like as as an idea, like to 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 inspire. To if you see shit, if you see bullshit like that, you call it out. You know, like what's. What's the worst that can happen when you call out someone who's being a racist? What you get called uh, an anti-racist? Like what? What? What do you want oh, yeah. about? Uh, yeah, I've been called the real fascist. I've been called the I've been called the antichrist before. That's fucking <laughs> wild. It's actually really cool, isn't it? It's like collecting these like hyperbolic, ridiculous statements about what yeah. I am. <laughs> do you have? You should have a notebook and see how many you can end up having. I used to like. You know what I do? I get the abuse a lot. I share the funniest ones or I share the ones that I respond to with humour. Because I said to you before, like we talked about before, you know, it's pretty, it can be pretty traumatic at the start and then you kind of get used to it as I have. Yeah. I advise other people about getting all the abuse. But to me, part of my job is to model how to respond to those bullies um, with humour. And by, I consider it to be demonstrating to people in practice that actually they're all just shit talkers and they are not to be taken seriously. And to me, that's a way of me showing other people, if this ever happens to you, you could do this back as well. It's not because I'm a fucking, you know, I'm not a superhero. Like, I'm not fucking, you know, I'm as at risk of, of being attacked as anyone else. I do think that these kinds of bullies are a little bit more enthusiastic in their threats towards women and black people. You know, they, they, this is what they like. They, they, yeah, they target the minorities in particular. They do. Yeah, that's right. But, you know, I'm... I've, I've, I've had more threats than, than most just because of all my actions over the years, you know what I mean? Because I'm a fucking smart ass to these kinds of people. Um, but you know what? At the end of the day, for as for all of those threats, um, nothing ever happened. They never did a, they never did a fucking thing, you know? Um, yeah. So I always, always sort of try to show people all that stuff, you know? But yeah, yeah, man. That's oh, yeah, wild. And we, had a, we had a live show last year. Like it was a... First, I, I th- yeah, I think I can't promise this. I'm still keep asking around because I want to know it for sure. I believe we were the first anti-fascist action group to do like a live theatre comedy show. <laughs> and, oh, and really? I, yeah, last year it was we did a Melbourne Fringe Festival. It was called Yard, just as bad, and yeah. it was fucking great. 
Um, and it was really, really cool actually to get oh, people down with yard, anti-racist, anti-fascist, all together in one chill setting without, you know, because rallies fucking suck, dude. <laughs> They're horrible. <laughs> they suck. Just, you know, you've got, when I'm at a, one of these events, you know, I'm looking around for pieces of shit constantly, constantly always, on guard. You've always got that, yeah, like you've got to be on guard, you're hypervigilant, and it's so fucking draining to be as well. Totally. I hate them. <laughs> you just you hate them, but I can't fucking stand them. They're shit. You can't hear what anyone's fucking saying on the speakers. You're standing out in the sun. You can't get water. You can't go for a piece. I fucking can't, can't stand them. But I do because I got her. I do because I got her. But yeah. it's so it's really, really cool actually to get kind of like, you know, group of the like minded together and create that little community, just having a drink afterwards and get to meet people. That was a fucking honor, you know what I mean? It was a really, really cool bit of scene building, I suppose, is how I would say it. So yeah. that was really cool. And hopefully I can do more of those shows in the future once once the chess bug stops going around. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, whenever that decides to uh get under control. Um, yeah. That's that's wild. So you've you've it's it's that's what I mean as well. Uh, like it's a pretty crazy sort of journey that you've been on, starting from, uh, you know, the the hip hop sort of influence, and then having that come on to where you are now, um, and and most recently because we've I think we've gone up in like pretty consistently with your with your years here. We fast forward to 2019, 2020. And now yeah. you're in the sights of guys like Avi Yemeni and Isaac Butterbeard and shit like that too. So, yeah, yeah. like th- yeah. that's again, it, it ties into how do you deal with it, sort of thing. But like, it just, it obviously, it's something that never stops. Like, there's always these people that have an issue with you once you get involved in these sort of political domains or movements or anything like that once you get involved in it in a certain way and you become a public figure suddenly you just can't avoid that shit and i know it sort of comes with the job or whatever you want to put it as as being that public figure but it just seems so fucking full-on well i have to say when it comes to 2019 2020 and you, you mentioned isaac butterfield and avi yemeni who you know if, if people want to know more about that particular um, uh, uh, situation. Then I released a video a couple of weeks ago, which I'm pretty proud of, which I think has an air of finality around it concerning my opinions on both of those people um, because they were talking about me on Isaac Butterfield's podcast and I kind of did a reaction to that, which I tried to make it as fun as possible. But anyway, um, so go and have a look at that. It's called Hard Yakka. Uh, Isaac. Yeah, it's a great video. Thanks, brother. Um, but yeah, I mean... Like, as I said to you, being doxxed before, came up in the height of the, the Patriot movement um, and those people were dangerous. Like, you know, I was coming up at around a time where, like, we were getting threatened with getting blown up and it was, like, oh, ridiculous, you know, just shard-addled shard Meltonians, like, you know, just yeah. talking shit because they've been up all night. That's what we thought until Phil Galea got arrested with bomb-making materials. Uh, just a, a few minutes away from where I was living, actually, at the time, you know, because when we found out that he was planning to blow up leftist targets, you know. Um, so that was the generation I came up in, and I had every right to be fucking scared of them at that time because they were fucking dangerous. Fucking so fast forward, fast forward to now with me with a few years' experience under my belt. I'm not saying it's fun 
to get a horde of fuckwits messaging you because Isaac Butterfield with his 1.4 million teenage boy following has just done a video about you. It is a little bit annoying, but you can just turn your phone off. And you know what? Like, if some dude with a big channel who's a fucking flog by all, you know, in reality goes, hey, everyone on my big channel, why don't you go and visit this small guy's channel and tell him what you think? Fuck off, dude. I've been doxxed. I've been fucking chased by the weirdest psychotic motherfuckers, you know, neo-Nazis and other sort of filth. I don't care about your fucking YouTube channel, <laughs> you know, your <laughs> followers. Like, he's picked the wrong guy. Like, I, just, I really think to sort of do that crap with an Arby's sort of the same way. I think I'm just sort of a hater towards them. The reality is for someone like Arby, it's, it's my job. I've made it my business and my job this year, you know, for the past few years. But in particular, I'm really going hard on it this year. I made more time for it than ever because I'm like, let's see if I can make this my full-time thing, you know. And and I do. There's not many people who do what I do, which is, you know, anti-racist, anti-fascist content creators who are going to talk about politics and also take the piss a bit as well in Australia. That pool is small as fuck, you know. Yeah, so if is. I don't talk about these people and what they do, if I don't occasionally pick, not just do the yard stuff at rallies to fuck with, say, RVM and his footage, but also occasionally hop online and maybe respond to the, the disingenuous shit he's saying, if I don't do that, who else is going to do it? Yeah, exactly. There's just not many people around, man. And I understand it's not a growth market because it's not exactly a tempting thing to get into this world where where dog cunts like that send, you know, a million little shits your way to with fake soccer accounts to threaten you and stuff. Like, you know, I know that's not an appealing <laughs> trade to get into. It's know, not. You know I mean? It's not very appealing for a for to uh, for anyone to be wanting to get into that role. That's for sure. Mm, mm. But you know what? My past few years of history, I mean, I'm, I suppose I'm uniquely qualified to fucking do it. You know <laughs> yeah, I mean? so, you've already you've already dabbled in dealing with shitheads. Like, what's what's different now? Yeah, true. And so, I think I'm deeply compelled to sort of uh, bully people that I think are bullies. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah, that that's, that's the thing that fucking blows my mind the most as well. When you say that, like, Arby's a piece of shit. Like, and it's not like it, I'm I'm just ragging on him or anything. Like, he's fucking abused women. Like, he's a straight up piece of shit, and yet he still has a fucking platform. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's what blows uh, yeah. my mind. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, it's 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 absolutely. And I, you know, given that he spends half of his time airing out private details of other people, harassing leftists at rallies, recording footage of them, editing out the bits in which they sound good, leaving in out the bit, leaving in the bits where they sound bad. Um, occasionally doxing, he's doxed people's information over the years. You know, he's gone up to people's houses and filmed the front of it, which is an easy, very easy to dox their house then. You know, given that he's done all that, you know, you 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 think to yourself Have I gotcha? Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Sorry, that was my that was my um little headphone thing came out. Where did you catch me up to? Um, I'm trying to remember now. Uh, I think it was it was right before you got into the spin with Arby, like the thing about him. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I was just saying that. Like, I mean, I, I try not to be frivolous about, uh, or, or to be too. Um, I, I don't want to take advantage of a situation that involves 
a woman in his past, you know, and actual domestic abuse. You know, it's a horrific thing, but at the end of the day, he is a danger to activists and he will dox them, he will use their information, he could, he will harass, stalk people, and his followers might be too stupid or too complicit to acknowledge that he is like that, but I know that he is, and I will use it to ruin his footage at rallies, and that is what we do, you know. We will bring it up because he won't include that footage in what he talks about. Yeah, you know, exactly. I've seen those videos, stuff. yeah. Yeah, so for us, it's like it's almost like post yard stuff, actually, because like yard used to be a matter of like you know uploading the most hilarious zingers or whatever. Yeah. But this stuff is like we're all we're all ruining our footage here. I'm not going to upload anything. I'm going to ruin what you upload as well, and then, you know, and then bugger you. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it is in the. We have had to evolve these tactics, and I've had a huge hand in that. I think it's one of the things I'm the most proud of is in developing and evolving these tactics to deal with this small subset of alt-right video makers who harass activists because they are really fucking dangerous. You know, they actually end up um, ruining movements, um, endangering people's lives. I've seen it in America countless times, and I know that's exactly what Avi's trying to do here. So, you know, if my one contribution to, to activism over the past few years has been to help people to develop better ways of dealing with these, you know, these provocateurs and pests, then I'm happy with that, right? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and it's really, uh, and again, here's my point, uh, uh, of what's the word? I guess the best thing to say. Uh, my appreciation for what you do uh, is that uh, if yeah, if you weren't doing it, I don't know who else would be. Because mm. if there weren't people like you doing this sort of shit outside of say, you know, who, and he doesn't really focus on the 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 anti-fascism or any other sort of stuff that you do. So say like friendly Geordies, for example, he focuses more yeah. on the political side of things. Yes, um, he does. Yeah, and and so it, I, I I follow his stuff a lot because he bashes on the libs a lot, and I fucking love mm. that because it's true. Um, and but also people that usually defend those polit uh, politicians and stuff as well are usually on this side as well. Like people like Arvi Yemeni and shit like that are the ones that support the liberals and all that sort of shit too. And it mm. all still kind of ties in, you know what I mean? And it's it just blows my mind how it's all tied in it can really be. Uh, really be. Yeah, totally. I totally understand. And, I, yeah, I've got a lot of time for Friendly Geordie's stuff. I really enjoy their content, you know, and I really like his content. We have uh, different politics, um, uh, and and I'm sure we disagree on a number of things. Like, I suppose I'm supposed to be this far left thing or, you know, but we also have different areas of concern as well, you know what I mean? He's talking about electoral politics. I'm usually more talking about grassroots or activist stuff, you know what I mean? Or, yeah, or exactly. Some of these issues around there. So it's different turf and what have you, but, I, you know, no one can doubt that Friendly Geordies is very, very funny. Um, yeah. And uh, it was fucking hilarious, actually. Actually, his video uh, uh, about Arthur Yemeni is fucking gold. Like, it's so worth seeing. It's so fucking good. Oh, but um, I, I, gotta, I can't remember that one. I'll have to go and watch it again. 
Um, really good. I just uh, speaking of videos and shit as well. I just because I, I was telling you about it when I was uh, talking to you before we got this going. Um, you'd just been in Mullum and did that video about the the five G tower. Man, that made yes. me fucking. Uh, I guess that one made me laugh so much more because I'd been to that town a lot years and years ago. Like um, my my baby mama, um, we co-parent uh, our son now. She used to live down in Mullum for a, for a good period of time, and I would go down and visit pretty much like every week or every fortnight after work and shit, and go down for yeah. the weekend. So we, yeah. uh, I was pretty much down there all the time. And so, and when when that whole fiasco of the five G tower bullshit and the protests for for all that not going up, it just it it kind of hurt because I love that town so much, but it's filled with fucking idiots. <laughs> you know what I mean? I do um, know what you mean, bro. Yeah. It's a fucking tough time right now, man. Hey, I, 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 you know, again, I said to you earlier, I've sort of found a bit of a new true north in terms of obsessing over the anti-lockdown types, and they're part of it. And ever since I saw that Mullen 5G protest, I, I sort of had been you know, toying with the idea of whenever I could get up there, then I would, you know, do a video of something like that there. So it was really yeah. fun to, find, to go and do that, you know. But, um, I don't, you know, like I'm used to looking at Nazis who are explicitly like, you know, genocidal, racist. <laughs> yeah, the real full-on you know. shit. Yeah, so it's kind of like a relief for me to look at people who like, yeah, I disagree with them and I think they're cooked, but they're like just not, at least they're not like agitating for the mosques to be burned and for the deaths of brown people and stuff. And you know what I mean? Like, yeah, and they're probably not going to come running at you with a fucking weapon or some shit in retaliation. They're just going to be like, I'm mad at you for, for making a mockery of my beliefs and then leave it well, at that. Well, you know what? While I was filming that 5G video, it's my most recent video of anyone wants to, you know, or, you know, it is currently in the world. But, um, but um, it, while I was filming that, there was a, a truck across the road or like a van full of um, anti-vaxxers who'd been camping out there and they were all just sort of watching with like deadpan looks on their faces. <laughs> like, they're so chill. <laughs> Yeah, I was, so like, chill. We, I, was, I was actually going to ask you about that as well. Was it like when you do those kind of videos out in those public settings, does it feel really fucking weird when other people see what you're doing and like don't understand the context of it until they'd see the video? Uh, no, I've done it too much um, for me to get really weird feelings anymore. I, d I don't worry. I, I do, okay. you know, because sometimes it involves... You know, some of my stuff, you know, yard films and what have you involved there being a, an opponent, you know, explicitly standing right there in front of you, you know what I mean? So so those things can be challenging sometimes. But I've done, when you do a lot of that stuff, you know, by comparison, going to do a, a video in front of some 5G anti-vax types is a walk in the park. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. And if, I, if I'm ever feeling a bit weird about it, I always just remind myself, hang on, think about some of the situations you've been through before, Tom. Yeah. You don't have nothing to worry about. Yeah, yeah, yeah uh, totally. But, you know, I mean, we were kind of ready just to say to them, like, you know, oh, we're just filming comedy video, if they had to come up or something like that, you know. So, yeah. no, I've been through it before. I was, you know, I did happen to have a, a good friend of mine there with me on the day, which was, which does make, it always makes things a little bit easier if you're doing it on your own. I was originally planning to go to that place on my own with like the sort of the selfie stick and film all that rolling around on the ground and shit so that would have been a bit weird that probably would have been a bit odd in context yeah. but 
Yeah, oh, man. that's good. Yeah, no, that that it just cracked me up seeing that because yeah, that that whole thing it just oh, it just hurt me in a place like because yeah, knowing like not that I knew the people down there. It's just like I'd always say to people like Mullum's a fucking sick place to go and visit if you want to get away from <laughs> like all the bullshit in the world, and yet. <laughs> this comes out where it's the pocket of shit that you go to avoid. Yeah, like it's people that you would avoid, and you're going to this place now. I was like, fuck, mm-hmm. you're ruining my paradise right now. Fuck. Well, you know the 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 people at the head of that five G movement are some very veteran, experienced environmental activists. Actually, I've come to learn, like, oh, and okay. so so they know their shit. You know, in terms of how to successfully blockade something how to you know what i mean and they've actually managed to stop telstra from getting in so it is a worry to me when i hear that um uh uh you know like storm actual experienced activists are now assisting with these causes that i see is quite silly you know my thing about 5g bro is that like you know what they could do some more tests (laughs) there would be no harm done (laughs) They actually didn't do many tests. And you know why? It's because they were so eager just to get the thing off the ground that they were like, oh, you know what, ignore these few cooked hippies. Yeah. But then corona happened and the 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 explosion of conspiracy sentiment that came. Uh, right. So the timing of it all was just fucking perfect. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It meant that now um, you, them having ignored those questions about 5G safety and not having taken a little bit for extra time to do this extra testing meant that they're in it. And you know what, bro? I don't work for fucking Telstra. I, I'm not, like, I, I have concerns when people who've been bamboozled by conspiracy theory out in the middle of fucking country New Zealand, like Maori people, you know, destroy their community's one cell phone tower, which has been happening repeatedly out there, leaving them all without any contacts, you know, possibly during a, an upcoming bushfire season or what have you. That's the shit that really pisses me off about 5G conspiracy theories. Because, you know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. the idea that people, it's spurred people who are, you know, bamboozled and scared shitless at the moment and have gone out and they're actually trying to destroy their own infrastructure. I mean, if you were an outside power trying to get people to fuck their own society up, <laughs> you couldn't have got you couldn't have done a better number on them than to get everyone questioning their own telecommunications infrastructure and <laughs> healthcare network in terms of vaccinations and what have you. You know what I mean? If you wanted yeah. to like really disrupt a society, you'd this is how you do it. <laughs> you oh, know what I mean? Yeah. But, um, oh, man. It's just, honestly, with everything happening, it's just making me want to go bush, eh? Like, just go oh, live out in the man. bush and fucking forget this shit. Oh, I can't tell you how much I just want to go camping for fucking weeks and just, oh, just look at trees and rivers. Yeah. <laughs> just appreciate everything, especially with everything now. Like, you just almost feel like, how long is it going to be this nice? It's not like... Uh, it's not, I'm not trying to be like like all negative Nancy or anything, but it's just like there's been so much shit that's already happened in 2020 so far, and we're only just past the halfway mark. Like we still got a little while to go. Like holy fuck, what else could possibly happen? Just give me a fucking river, you know. I'd rather look <laughs> at a river than a fucking anti 5G meme. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Know what I mean. Do you know, I actually had an interview for a little while there lined up with Thanos Panagides, who was one of the leaders of the Melbourne anti-lockdown thing. I was going to have a bit of a, an interview slash debate argument style thing with him. No shit. But then, 
Yeah, I thought, why not? You know what I mean? Because again, as I say, like, I mean, I might not do that. Would never do that with fucking racists, nationalists, and Nazis because they really, you know, they really. Um, well, they're seeking a they're seeking uh, seeking a pedestal. So you and by doing that, you'd be giving them one, and so they they've already uh, they've won right there. You know. Yeah, they they seek platforming, and platforming isn't just about you know whether I have a bigger uh, presence than them. It's also about me legitimising them through talking to them on equal footing and, you know, I think there is an excellent debate people out there who, who make their whole profile about um, owning Nazis and they have, like, Vosh, an American leftist who's fucking great at it. And, you know, I respect that. That's a, that's a growing trade, but that's not necessarily my thing and I'm informed by anti-fascist politics of going, no, fuck these people. My point is to undermine them. It's not to fucking have you know, chit-chats with them, you know. So, but that's them. But, again, as I said, you know, I have, I have real... I have real bone to pick with these anti-lockdown people, but I don't hate them like I do Nazis, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, so I get I, it, yeah. So it's not I the same was, kind of like anger towards them sort of thing. Yeah, so we'd teed up a chat and we'd just about have it, but then Black Lives Matter happened and they started all banging on about this George Soros started it shit. And I was like, ah, oh, fuck you, fucking assholes. You know what I mean? The yeah. One minute ago, you were all rallying, and now someone else rallies all over the world, and you think it's funded by George Soros, you fucking dogs. So then I got over it. I soured yeah. on him. I'm like, no, fuck you, Fanos. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you ruined it. We had a shot. You ruined it. Yeah, yeah we could have been besties, bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's crazy, man. And again, sign of the times, right? It's just, yeah. Just full yeah. on. And you know what? Look, we've managed a pretty solid session so far. Um, I figured you've probably got work tomorrow, as, as do I. So I've, I do. We, <laughs> yeah. I do, unfortunately. <laughs> so we might, we might roll it in, eh? But, yeah, um, brother. I, I, honestly, man, like I absolutely appreciate you coming on and letting us hear a little bit about uh, your origins in terms of your musical career and how short or how influential it was towards what you do now um with yardies and with everything else that you do man like absolutely appreciate it and can't wait to see more of the content that you bring out that's for sure fuck yeah man i i will i will make sure i send through to you any any of the, the 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 musical contributions that that we've discussed through the the the, the chat and um, yeah, I really appreciate it, man. I know it was a bit of a, um, out of the usual, um, given the subject matter of your pod, but um, yeah, I've really appreciated the chat, man. Oh, look, it, it, honestly, it's kind of one of those things that does affect everyone and how everyone can view things as well, and how. Uh, how intertwined it all actually really is with day-to-day shit you know you can pick up on it more if you know more about it you know so i totally uh, agree man i I don't think not everyone has to be as deeply lifelong ensconced in fucking uh you know politics or anti-racism or whatever as someone like me is but at the same time it is that that whole concept of like oh let's not make it political is just it's a it's it's um completely false it's completely erroneous everything has a touch of politics to it and everything uh can be seen through a political lens and you know i think in 2020 right to to think like that is a real head in the sand approach you know what i mean we've been hit over the head with culture wars for the past few years you know what i mean so you might as well you might as well soak up your culture wars from sick cunts like me (laughs) yeah 
Yeah, exactly right, man. No, so I, I, I appreciate you coming on and um, I, I really look forward to what you do next. And um, yeah, yeah, uh, again, like keep doing what you're doing, man. I really appreciate it. And I'm sure a lot of people out there do as well. Thanks a lot, Shane. Look, if anyone wants to follow me, I'm on Tom Tanaki, T-A-N-U-K-I, on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, blah, blah, blah. I've got a little Patreon if you look at my stuff and you decide it's worth fucking chucking a clam at. But, yeah, I have a fortnightly podcast, which is, you know, often about, like, activism stuff, um, usually me prioritising other people's voices by having interviews and that. It's called The Pork and Feed the Birds. Um, and, um, yeah, I'm always around somewhere in video or article form. I write articles periodically and just generally make a pest out of myself as much as possible. So give us a follow. Yeah, absolutely, man. Would love to, and that that that's good. That's awesome, man. I I I must apologise as well. I'm pretty sure at the start of it, I pronounced you as Tom Tanuki as well. So it's uh, Tom Tanuki. No, <laughs> it's that's how I pronounce it. It's real. I really don't give a shit. Like you know, again, it was just a pseudonym surname. People say Tanuki. I think because of the Mario game. I used to live in Japan, and the only reason I chose Tanuki is because like I really like the the folkloric Japanese creature, which is, you know, I used to, got used to the pronunciation. Japanese people, yeah. if you say yeah, Tanuki, yeah. I, I don't fucking care. It's, um, I just like them. They're, they're shape-shifting folkloric creatures. They can change into other shapes. And I just thought, you know, given that I play characters and stuff, yeah, um, perfect, then yeah. I'd pick that. Also, they have massive balls and they use them as a parachute. So that's fucking sick. <laughs> oh, wow. Japanese cartoons, <laughs> man. Fuck. Fucking nice. <laughs> <laughs> all right man thanks a lot for coming on hey eh? hey thanks sir. thanks for having us Shane. really appreciate it bro no worries take care kiss the hand of a fashionable don zara scion connected to the street with a lilac meter and nylon we bash cunts brush young but that'll learn them rope to a platter with no shadow we burn them the sun's fierce but the legion is undiminished we're keeping prison women as spinsters on his own cap They say we never wear the same Bring twice I'm like a sick Grace Kelly With twin knives And derringers In five pinstripe hilliers I only show my dome At my full time milliners Dead pile thugs With some loose cannon tactics And false ID With a blur of puce fabric Catch a peep at his peaks When we damn ya Or pull a hatch And stuff the flap in your snout Ahead of Pyrex You try to try test And you're all curtains Like my neck I death The Brim Reaper Cat for a shroud Flat for a you for a victim, you listen, hark Legionnaire's cap gangsters, we the hardest It's fucks for the harvest Now you thought it was safe to come out With your Fitzroy beanies on No, it'll never be safe, it's not safe LCG are coming I speak with a godly beak like Horus Get up early, curse the dawn chorus Bunks, motherfucker, I'm Cantan Chorus Bees, motherfucker, I have drank all yours Stand with sun smart fucks, lock up your daughters Or it's gonna be knock-ups and abortions They got the headwear, you made your bed wet Silence, pull your fucking head in like a tortoise It's the hunter and the hunted, hound and the fox You lost in whoop like the sound of the cops Beat it, faggot, panic, feet snapping that bracket Cause I breathe warfare like I'm down at the docks The foulest of grots, the name shining and terrible Unstomachable, fuck up, highly inedible With wrought iron raps about my head like Ned Kelly and you singing the blues like you were lead belly